0: I'll start by saying congratulations to uh, Nicholas, Olga, and and the entire Capital Link team. I think it's uh, another amazing uh, event uh, this year, and it takes a lot of organization, I know. Um, I think uh, certainly the the Athens conference is uh, one of the highlights in the Capital Link uh, calendar, and uh, this year, certainly no exception. I think the only thing different this year is that uh, we've we've had challenges of snow, which I think is is a rarity. Um, but uh, we all managed to get here okay, so i pleased that we managed to do that. Um, I, I, I also noticed that the last question from the previous panel was who pays, so I, I, I'm not sure if uh, you can get a better introduction to the, to the banking and finance panel discussion after that. Um, but uh, just to briefly introduce myself, my name is Jason Chohan, I'm head of international finance at Hill Dickinson. Um, And uh, the subtopic for uh, today's uh, bank panel discussion is adapting to a new market regulatory, geopolitical and ESG landscape. Um, But to be honest, if we managed to get through 10% of that, I think we would have done well. Um, And just to uh, start that discussion and and briefly introduce each of uh, our uh, panelists. Uh, To my left, we have Anastasia uh, Chernova, Global Head of Shipping at Avian Amro. Uh, uh, next to Anna Cecilia, we have Vasilis Maroulis, Managing Director, Global Industry Head, Shipping, Logistics and Offshore at Citi. Uh, and next to Vasilis, we have Evan Cohen, Managing Director and Group Head of Maritime Finance at CIT. Uh, and last but not least, we have uh, Christos Zakanas, uh, Head of Global Shipping at DNB. So with that brief introduction, I think we'll head straight into the questions. I think as, as usual, we'll start with a, an overview of the, of the prior year from, from each of the, the, the panelists uh, and, and what each bank sees for the, for the 12 months to, to, to come. I think just to add a little bit of context uh, to, to that discussion, um, looking back uh, at the 12, 12 months ago, around this time last year, it was actually before war, um, shipping seemed on an unstoppable uh, upwards trajectory uh, to some extent, it's, it's, you would wonder whether that that's uh, continued to, to, to a degree as well. Um, so, I, so I suppose it would be in that context that I'd uh, open the floor to Anastasia to uh, share her views.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Jason, and thank you for the opportunity for uh, being here on uh, stage together with, uh, with my uh, partners in crime. It's always, uh, it's always good to touch base um, when we live in such a dynamic and evolving world. So if I look at the last 12 months, essentially there are two things that come to my mind. One of them is ESG. It is not a new topic, but it's a topic that is definitely gaining a lot more interest than it used to be. Uh, that should not come as a surprise, given the geopolitical tension in the world, the awareness of society, and what regulators expect from banks to, um, to, to, to play their role in the market. And the other thing is license to operate. What I mean by that, that's compliancy. That's also not a new topic for this sector, but very much right front and center for us as a bank, being active with this industry, and this is very much something that I do expect also going forward that will keep us uh, that will keep us busy
0: right thank you uh,
2: thank you and uh, it's it's always nice to be here in Athens um, I think look the shipping portfolios um, and have performed extremely strongly, I think, uh, on almost all segments uh, last year for, for a variety of reasons. And uh, you know, I think increasingly all the banks are continuously uh, have to to deal with black swan events, which are increasingly becoming an annual thing. So everyone needs to be prepared for everything. I echo what Anastasia said: continuous focus on ESG. And I remain cautiously optimistic for almost all segments, um, probably with the exception of the container side. But again, on the container side, for this audience, I think you know most of the companies have long-term employment. They are able to potentially weather the storm. Uh, the operators is a slightly different story, and we shall see how that evolves. So the, the low order book on the tanker, the dry bulk uh, side, is is something that probably uh, could uh, you know, propel uh, those markets. Of course, we do have a, a war in Europe. And uh, that is, to me at least, uh, uh, yeah, a big question mark as to what happens. You know? So if one feels that either that is contained or, of course, it continues in this way, which is not something that anyone wishes, that's one story. If, of course, it escalates and escalates materially, and I think you know all of the things that I've just said, that we are all planning for probably is out of the
0: window. So, uh, an interesting year. Thanks for that. And just I think developing that subject a little bit more. I mean. As as, uh, we were in February 22, from from that point in time, there was everything from war, sanctions, and energy crisis, more sanctions, COVID again, specific to China, fuel fuel price um, caps, uh, freight rate highs and lows, and also recession on the horizon. So that's just in the last 12 months. So where do you go from there, knowing that all those possibilities could be out there? i 'll pass that difficult side of the of the topic to you Evan <coughs> Thank you good morning
3: i, I don't know if it's that, if it's that difficult I mean the fill in the blank part always is changing in shipping i'm always impressed by the adaptability of ship owners, especially in Athens and in Greece. so it was. It, it, hopefully the, the bankers and the financiers are also adaptable, and we try to be, but last year, we go back a year, you look at container, container ships making unheard of amounts of money, so are we clever enough to support it but not get carried away? And okay, so something this morning where values are plummeting and crashing, wonderful headlines, and I haven't seen any owners or banks suffering yet for that. I also haven't read the headline about charters being renegotiated or people walking away or asking those kinds of things. So people are adapting, okay? Then bulk carriers had their moments or months in the sun, and now tanker owners are. And during that, always that evolution process, people are adapting to new regulations, to becoming more fuel efficient, so I'm not terribly concerned about the... The changes had come up, so I'm back to fill in the blank. Or what is the challenge for
0: shipping? They seem to adapt. And that's interesting. I mean, I think whilst lots of things change, there's always new challenges. I think there seems to be that reference to the fundamentals still stay the same. And I think that's where some of the strength lies. Christos?
4: If we wanted a quiet life, we would not be in shipping i think uh, <clears throat> we are used to cycles we are used to extreme events the reality is it is in these extreme events that the industry thrives and you know we have seen we have the tragedy of the war of course but it has been a net positive uh, for shipping if we look at uh, tankers you know the trade patterns uh, have become much longer that has been a net positive on the dry side we've seen also suboptimal t- trade patterns. The order book has been kept very low because of energy transition. That is a positive. Uh, I'm a bit more skeptical than you, Evan, on the containers. I think it's early days. Of course, these companies have very high buffers of cash, and they're being supported. But uh, I think the negotiations of charters are inevitable, and we will see them uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, the structuring, though this time that the transactions I've seen, they are much more sound than in the past. A lot of front-loaded repayments, a lot of liquidity. <clears throat> so, I think it will be positive. For me, there are two axes really uh, that you know we focus on. One is the credit risk, and the fundamentals are good for shipping with a with a healthy order book. The supply side is in check, and also the demand side, you know bar a battery session, which we don't seem to be having, should be under check as well. It's really the energy transition and how people adapt to new technologies, how banks adapt to lower emission requirements. I think that is something that we're spending quite a bit of time on, and that is something that is really disrupting our business model in a major way.
0: Great. Thanks very much, Christos. And I think- Sticking with uh, the state of the market, I mean, we'll have a, a lot of uh, topics to cover, but um, bringing it back specifically, I suppose, to the, the shipping banks, the, the state of the finance market, um, you know, what was previously alternative finance is these days not really considered that alternative anymore. Uh, there seems to be a lot more choice in the market, but I would open this question to each of the panelists. To, you know, how do you see the shape of the, the ship finance market changing? Some international banks still starting to, to uh, receive from the market regularly new players as well. Um, obviously, all of the banks on this panel, you know, lots of lots of, of the industry survivors still here uh, and going, but you know, how do the panelists see the shape of the actual finance market changing the players, the, the offerings?
1: That's that's always, uh, so I'm sitting on your left, you always start with me, so uh, then then it's good, I don't know how it goes, the sequencing. Um, Look, I think um, there are various options, they've always been, and I do believe that they will stay there as well. Um, If we look at alternative financing, well, they're always, you know, it very much depends on the investment horizon. Uh, You know, there are always folks that are uh, looking for a certain yield. Um, I always say that uh, demand and supply will be in equilibrium, so I believe that it's still going to be the case. Obviously, there are a lot of uh, options also coming coming out of Asia. They have a lot of advantages, but also disadvantages. When I look at Europe, I mean, looking at the banking landscape, uh, historically, it's always been European uh, banks supporting this sector. And I think that's for a reason. We know the cyclicality of this market. I believe that everyone sitting on this panel would agree with me saying that our institutions have an ecosystem, what I call the shipping ecosystem. So we are very much familiar with with the trends. We have the expertise uh, uh, in the house and we have the stomach for for the cyclicality. Um, Having said that, um, it's becoming increasingly complex to operate in a high, proactively compliant uh, environment so this is something that does keep us busy. It does also provide a lot of opportunity, I mean we are looking at a big disruption when it comes to climate transition and I believe that every crisis offers also an uh, opportunity and we are very much looking forward to be at the forefront uh, of it together with our peers, so other other banks and obviously following the direction of travel of, uh, of our clients.
2: First of all, I think it's great news and each and every time anyone asks me is seeing new uh, participants regardless of who they are, where they're from, what they're doing, which structure they prefer is good news for the industry Um, and ultimately uh, the wider, if you wish, ecosystem of our clients, if you want to call it that, which is of course the ship owner and the shipping companies. So I welcome that, and uh, you know, long may it continue. With regards to, I think, where is it going? You're you're always going to be seeing totally different strategies depending on the, the institutions. I think one thing, uh, you know, it it is indeed the case that historically European banks have supported in a significant way. The same goes, you know, in terms of you know, I represent, of course, a U.S. institution which. We have been supporting the industry uh, in excess of 75 years, so it's each and every institution will have its own strategy. We are totally focused on being a corporate financier and not an asset financier, and ultimately, you know, uh, we will be proceeding down that path. I think one thing to 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 see how that evolves is, of course all 4 with regards to the European institutions and what does that mean with regards to uh, how they need to adjust the the corresponding portfolios and of course also with regards to leasing structures one needs to bear in mind that the ownership of the vessel is no longer yours Uh, and, and what does that mean we've seen situations for example where out of nowhere a vessel has been sanctioned as a result of that ownership. Uh, through no fault of uh, the bearboard charter. What does that mean if there were to be uh, escalating tensions between, for example, China, Taiwan, and So all of these things are extremely complex. One needs to bear them in mind and uh, proceed accordingly. But I think in terms of capital availability, um, the fact of the matter is that each and every institution will continue to proceed down... Uh, it's, its own path, but I, I do believe that uh, there is substantial uh, common ground and uh, scope for cooperation.
0: Thank you, yeah, and, and just to kind of develop that question a bit more, I suppose you mentioned that you know European and, uh, and American banks on, on the panel, and, and whether that is something that will either maybe shift the market to refocus on you know, the, the, those own markets, so you know, Asian banks and lenders uh, uh, lending to the Asian market, and you know, European and US banks um, lending to their local markets as well. So that's one part of uh, the the shift in the question. I'd like to ask, and I suppose also, you know. All of, all of the banks on the panel have shown you know, a great deal of growth over the last uh, you know, few months, years, as well. So you know, that's certainly a supporting element for, for, and commitment to the market. So just those slightly different themes, I think I'd like to pass to Christos and, and Evan, if that's OK. Maybe,
4: maybe I start. I mean, if we look at Western banks, at the moment, you know, if we take Greece, for example, there is abundance of capital. There is abundance of cheap capital, actually for shipping companies, uh, irrespective of, of size. Um, but things you know, will change. I mean, Western banks, uh, they need to become at some point compliant with Basel IV. That will have an impact on the cost of capital, which means that pricing will go up. Uh, the biggest challenge or issue that I see is there is a very high level of focus on ESG, very high level of focus on uh, carbon intensity in portfolios and deals that Western banks finance. Uh, So That will put a limit on the appetite that banks have, particularly for older or higher emitting categories of vessels. That restriction does not apply so far to Asian banks. It probably will lag for for quite a bit. Uh, We see also the Greek banks here being extremely active for the medium and smaller sized owners. That is very positive news. That probably makes the alternative finance platforms a little bit less relevant than they were before, given the return requirements. But I would say, and I look at my fellow panelists here, that there is a lot of capital around at the moment at significantly cheap levels, actually, in the Greek market across the various sizes, spectrums, and qualities of shipping companies here on the ground.
0: Great. Thanks.
3: So, the advantage of going forth is I get to think about that question, which I hadn't, I hadn't seen earlier. Um, so, for all the, my friends and clients in the audience, I've never been exclusive, so I'm always competing against somebody. Okay, maybe it's not big competition, other days it's heavy competition. But on one, part, on one hand, we know that some of the European banks or the traditional banks are leaving. But it doesn't feel like there's a lack of capital. So I was sitting here thinking about that. So the capital's flowing from different places these past months and years. So the local banks, and all of a sudden the, the Greek banks are very active again. Uh, you see debt funds in a large scale providing access, whether it's oak trees and their different funds, or Australis and their different funds. You see platforms, my uh, my old boss and friend is in the off- audience setting up a platform making it easier for, let's say, smaller owners to have options on where to access. So all of a sudden, money's flowing in from other places, and I, I don't feel the lack of capital either. Christos is more precise about it than I am, but that's, that was my take on it.
0: Thanks. Right. Um, did you want to say, Jim? We actually
1: wanted to add something, so I, I subscribed to everything that was uh, said here on the panel. What I do think is that uh, increasingly there will be an ESG uh, lens to capital allocation and it will go in different uh, speed uh, across the globe. but I think the trend is very clear. and yeah, I believe that uh, Europe will be leading this uh, trend and we'll be seeing more and more of attention to it because our stakeholders also demand it. I mean the stakeholders. Of, of, of any bank that society is large that 's our regulators it 's our shareholders so it 's definitely something that uh, will be right from the center when we are allocating capital
0: great i mean that 's certainly one of the probably the largest topic for the, for the discussion um, that, that we' we'll head on to but just before I think reaching that i think I wanted to discuss, actually specifically, the, the, the Greek market. There's obviously been a lot of investment uh, in, in new building programs and uh, um, uh, improving the efficiencies of the existing fleet. It's clearly you know, one of the most important markets uh, for, for, for global shipping and for, for each of the banks. And I suppose I wanted to, to, to take that question to how, how each of the panelists see the Greek market, um, you know, the advantages and disadvantages. And, 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 you know, how those can be used as we, as we do move towards that, that, that green, green shipping aspects and, and the challenges that are there. I'm going to mix things up, and seeing that you spoke last, I'm going to throw the question down to the other side, if there's any takers. Christos, would you like to start with
4: that? I mean, g- green shipping and uh, reducing the carbon footprint of, of fleets is not an option. I don't think it's something that people can choose to do or not to do. It's something people will have to focus on. Uh, you will see demand from clients. You will see demand from financial institutions. Uh, you will see demand for end users for cleaner transportation. And there is a lot that has been done. I've been impressed actually by the speed of awareness. A couple of years ago, we would sit in a room like this and we would talk about ESG, and owners on the panel on the on the on the on the, on the audience would think you know that's completely irrelevant. That has changed 180 degrees now. It is at the top of people's agenda. Um, Geographically, maybe it varies a little bit. We see tremendous focus in Scandinavia. We see quite a lot of focus in Greece uh, from the bigger companies. It is uh, trickling down to the smaller ones as well. People are aware about the emission of the ships. There is a lot that is being done to improve the operation of the ships, be it better quality paints, improvements in the propellers, bubbles under the hull, you know, weather uh, optimization software. So there is a lot that is happening. People are looking at carbon capture very seriously, and I think this is a technology that will become much more prevalent in the years to come. Now, when it comes to alternative fuels and engines, I think you know we are still some way away from people being comfortable to make an investment, uh, or a sizable investment in that, but it is also coming. So I see people extremely focused on this, and I think is what is going to, what we are going to be spending most of our time in the years to come, figuring out how do we play in that space? Who do we back? And how do we finance this type of, uh, of projects?
0: Okay, hey, Evan, do you like to share your views on the Greek market? <laughs> no,
3: I'm, I'm just happy to be here in the Greek market and <laughs> uh, want to do more here. But in terms of how, how uh, the ship owners and operators are handling, E, S, and G, we'll talk about the E, the environmental, I guess, we're talking about. Um, All these incremental changes and adapt the ships are making a big difference. And 99.9% of the owners are compliant and will follow all the regulations and want to become more fuel efficient, if for no other reason than it's economically smart. So... The difference, I was trying to do some studies last night and speaking to an owner, and the difference between a 16 or 17-year-old bulk carrier and a comparable new build in terms of efficiency is staggering. I didn't quite believe it at first. We're talking about 50% more efficient. So going that much further on the same tank of gas. So I'm impressed by the, the adaptability. I'll, I'll echo
2: what uh, Christos said. Uh, this is this is not going to be. It's not an option. You know, the, the ultimately under Scope three, uh, the the clients will be demanding uh, a significant, of course, reduction in the carbon footprint. The commitments that they have were made very publicly, very large companies is going to be something that they will demand in order for them to be able to decarbonize effectively uh, their chains in terms of how they deliver goods. We're already seeing that on the uh, uh, liner space, significant actions being taken. We're seeing it also on the auto liner space where you have a very, very expensive product and the, the OEMs demand at this point a very specific reduction in order for them to pitch it to to their clients. So you're going to be increasingly see it, and with the sea cargo charter and everything else, it's going to be something that's there now. How are we dealing with it? At least so far, the Poseidon principles is uh, you know a very useful tool in terms of measuring and also being able to uh, manage it uh, as a, on a portfolio basis. So. As a result, each and every member who is a signatory can say, "Okay, on this loan, I'll do this," but at the end of the day, I'm managing the portfolio on a, on, on a total basis. But the focus is going to be the The pressure will continue to, to 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 enhance itself, and ultimately, it is it is extremely important. That being said, I am you know, three years ago. Honestly, any discussion we were having. There was no clear sight as to where it was going. No, you, you couldn't see how we would be able to, to go down the path of what was clear that was coming towards us. Um, this year and the year before, you know, there's a lot of discussion, but also solutions that are increasingly apparent. And therefore, I, I do sincerely believe that this industry is doing a lot. It needs to publicize in a significantly better way. I think it's totally misunderstood. And ultimately, uh, you know, this will continue to evolve. I do believe that at some point, there will be a discussion as to what is better, uh, retrofitting, improving a second-hand vessel in a significant way, or uh, a new building which is more efficient. Because you know, ultimately, you know, there is CO2 emissions involved in actually building the vessel. So these discussions will evolve, and I think increasingly important. But again, uh, very optimistic with what we are seeing. Great. If,
4: if I may okay, add, just the, 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 ah, the last point Vasily made, I think it's extremely important. Focusing on how we can make exist, the existing fleet more efficient should be people's focus as on stage one, I think. There is a lot that you can do to improve the operation of the ships. Just going out and building you know, a new vessel that has an environmental footprint that is quite detrimental. Of, we are not saying no, it makes a lot of sense. But I think we should try to exhaust you know, what can be done with existing ships first. And there is a lot that can be done to, to, to improve them. So that's, that's quite important in the overall scheme of things, I feel.
1: Yes, thank you. I would like to echo a few things that were already told and maybe kind of summarize it and not to to repeat so much what was already said. Um, So a couple of things, data, I I think we sometimes underestimate how much data is available out there when it comes to the shipping industry and how how much better use of data we could uh, we could do so that's both for ship owners it's also for uh, for uh, capital providers there's a great amount of awareness people are curious and very much uh, adaptive and looking at different options strategies vary that's what i see which is quite normal right and i don't think that there will be one solution to this um, massive disruption um, that will that is coming um, that is coming our way um, what we do look at is what I call um, the Chinese menus. So obviously, there is a, we all know that new technology and new fuel is not yet scalable. So everyone is looking at how to best retrofit the current fleets. In that respect, there's quite a lot of advancement in terms of the economic model. What is, what is uh, possible? What are the trends? And what I've also noticed is that some people are you know, setting a trend and what's beneficial in that is that you get a lot of profits out of it so there are different strategies I would say some f- front runners which are already you know um, um, let's say pocketing the benefits and people that are trying different strategies and seeing uh, and, uh, and seeing what works
0: so we're definitely moving into the, the specific um, topic of the green shipping and, and then the financing of, the, of those aspects but the, the, the unusual thing for me is looking back at some of the panel discussions over the years, and actually many of them with, with uh, the, the panelists uh, here today. I remember when we used to talk about LTV and margin and financial covenants and, and these types of things that, that uh, were, were the typical questions on, uh, on on bank panels. But we're certainly very much moving um, into one of the key focuses. And you know, as many of the panelists have said, that it's 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 not a, it's not an option. It's it's something that, that has to be done. So, I mean, but for me, and you know, changing that shift to, to the question, you know, dealing and considering things like EEXI, CII, ETS, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of challenges in actually understanding the options um, and, and, and trying to work out what those challenges are. So, I think what I'll do again, I'll, I'll pass this back to, uh, to the other side of the table with Christos. I think that there's a consensus in terms of the direction uh, but what are the key challenges, especially from, from the, the financing perspective uh, and the bank's perspective, actually trying to um, help the market you know, progress with, with those initiatives?
4: It's mainly on environmental matters, you mean? Or I mean, we have we, we have set up you not know, together with Citi and Sörgen, uh, you know, the Poseidon principles. That was a fantastic way to start measuring the carbon intensity of people's uh, portfolios Uh, we are looking to take this at the next step now try to figure out a trajectory that makes sense how do we get to zero at 2050 i think that is the challenge that everybody's focusing on how do we do that in a responsible way how do we do it in a way that does not make existing vessels obsolete how do we do it in a way that does not force us to exit relationships and business uh, opportunities that we've had for many, many years? How do we do it in tandem with developments in technology uh, where people take calculated risks and responsible risks? And how do we use our structuring capabilities and our distribution capabilities to take this risk and, and place it out in the market? I think it takes two to tango. So we see a lot of willingness from owners. There is certainly a lot of willingness and commitment from banks with very set KPIs, but ultimately somebody has to pay for all this. And whenever, if, we, if everybody keeps on pointing the finger to the other person to put their hand in their pocket, things will move very, very slowly. And this is where regulation will help as well. I think we see these ETS schemes that are being developing. Over time, it will be expensive to run all the ships. It will be expensive to run ships with all technology. That will help incentivize. Uh, the move forward but it has to be done in a responsible way and it has to be done in a methodical way hand in hand with technological developments i don't think any owner you know would be happy to start ordering speculatively vessels with engines that do not have a track record with, with fuels that they do not have certainty of availability and that's why i come back to what i said before It needs to be done in a step-by-step process. And I think we will probably see improvements and efficiencies on the existing fleet to start with. We will see carbon technology developing as a next step. It's already quite advanced, but it needs to become cheaper and be able to capture higher amounts of the carbon. And then, gradually, people will get the confidence to start ordering new engines um, and new technology vessels. So that's that's how I think things will, will, will pan out in the years to come.
0: Great, thanks and Evan would you like to uh... yeah i didn't I didn't see such a
3: disconnect between the LTV questions you got in past years and and the question of today for us our, our first responsibility as as financiers is you know, getting repaid and that means your clients have to earn cash flow and where's the cash flow coming from okay this year it's going to come from Cargill for example who's Checking your rating, so you're, that's going to force ship owners that are more bankable to be compliant and be efficient okay if you're if you're running it a different way, a vessel you need to be efficient and you can't waste money unnecessarily so you 're going to do all those incremental changes and I think there's there's also capital there for the new projects, but that is okay someone's building lng ready ships which is a which, which is a nice phrase, but you build and make that capital expense because you have a charter attached and a charter wants you to build those ships. So I still think it comes down to the revenue, how the owners are gonna make the money and then repay their capital.
2: Look, there's not gonna be one solution. It it takes all of what Christos said uh, in order for Ultimately, for this industry to move in the direction where it has to, uh, not only you know, and it has to because ultimately it's what the consumer will demand. Uh, it is they're already demanding it in specific uh, products, and it's only going to be increasing in terms of pressure. So, um, in order for this industry to remain uh, at the front and center in terms of uh, goods carried uh, across the world then you know for their clients be relevant and for the consumer all of the solutions uh, whether that's trying to you know utilize lng technology as we speak shifting into alternative uh, fuels when will they be uh, provided? Will they be provided on a blue or a brown or on a green basis? And how, what is the impact of green methanol, for example, versus low sulfur? It's, these are debates, it requires a lot of analysis. It is something that both the ship owners, is burdened and the banks, of course, because it takes significant resources to be able to do that, but I do believe that the willingness is there, solutions increasingly becoming available, and all of it together uh, will come into play, and all of these solutions are required. What, where are we looking at? We're looking at our clients, right? And our clients are, you know, the ship owners that we serve, that we bank, are the ones that are, need to Look at these solutions and see which ones fits them, and then we will be there to support, uh, and that is a certainty.
0: And and just picking up on that and and, and the theme as well. Is that, I mean, certainly one of the, the stark differences is that even you know, the, as Christoph has mentioned, the discussion of ESG even twelve months ago is very different, and there's been a lot of progress uh, in that time. So I, I suppose it's in that context that Anastasia, welcome your views.
1: I, th- I think uh, what I would like to add to what was already uh, said, to which I do subscribe, is um, well, decarbonization or sustainability is a trend that will be adapted in the, let's say, in the capital, in the capital structures that, that that are supporting this this industry. And what is very important is to look at the various options and to look at the best solution. So. How can we basically integrate these solutions? So, at the forefront of that is, are the ship owners. I always say we bankers, you know, we, we advise on capital, we provide capital, we are there to enhance the journey of our clients. We are there to enable the journey. And what is very important there is to, um, to, to stay in close contact and to think of the solutions. Um, as we already said you know there are in- incrementals what i call the chinese uh, the chinese menu and we see that there are a lot of uh, folks that are investing heavily in that because they do see a trend and they do see that society charters they're willing to they're willing to, to pay for it so there's a market for that when it comes to new uh, new technology then we do have to look at the acceptable capital structures just like with any new trends you know, you start with capital C. So you, you start with joint ventures. So we need to very much think along in uh, partnerships and investing together. And that's something that I'm very much looking forward to do with um, uh, with owners and uh, with uh, with other parties active in the market.
0: Great. Thanks very much. And. I think to some extent, as anticipated, I think we've we've barely managed to scratch the surface of of, of many of the topics, but uh, we're we're, we're very quickly running out of time. So I think I'll actually just open this uh, for for any uh, general comments that the panelists uh, would like, and then just a a reference to uh, a Greek ship owner's phrase. I won't won't embarrass myself and and try and say it in Greek, but the gist of it being that Greek shipping may get sick, but it will never die. Um, So I think in that context, there's certainly been uh, some rough rides, but uh, everyone both on on the the banking side and and, and, and the ship owning side as well have survived some tough times. I suppose in that that context, I'd open the floor for any closing comments uh, from from any of the panelists.
4: Maybe one, one comment from me. After many years, the fundamentals in shipping are very positive, maybe with the exception of containers. And the lessons there for everybody is please do not order any ships in the traditional sectors. We have you know, very good markets ahead of us. Let's not destroy that this time.
1: May I add something to it? Maybe a little bit on a different note. So I would say my message will be uh, keep your passion, because that's, that's what keeps us going. And at the same time, keep calm, cool, and collected. Because it's a long ride, and uh, I think it's going to be a bumpy one, but definitely worth the go.
2: Yeah, uh, from my end, I'll echo what Christoph says. Uh, I, I do believe all sub-segments which are relative to uh, the Greek shipping community have extremely positive fundamentals. Therefore, on the back of that, I you know, you. You have the the uh, a very meaningful platform to be able to proceed down the various strategies that one wants to have, and uh, I, I do sincerely believe that uh, this is the largest. Uh, it is the, the largest commercial fleet globally. It's you know the heart of shipping, and uh, you know it is indeed the case that uh, there is a a very positive uh, momentum
0: uh, in in Athens and Paris. Evan, before closing, would you like to have the last word? Not not really, I I wouldn't
3: presume to give advice to the owners in the room. Just thank you for the business. So one one note, so doing the usual banker tour, uh, the, the dozen or so clients I've gotten to see, or owners I've gotten to see, Every one of them has had the second or third generation in the room. So
0: that's a sustainable business practice. So on that note, thank you for having us. And and just before handing back to Nicholas, I'd just like to thank each of the panelists uh, for for their time today and, and, and the discussion we've had. Thank you very much, Nicholas.